to TEH, the Tech Enthusiast Hour podcast where several hosts talk about what they find interesting in tech this week. The show notes for this episode are at tehpodcast.com slash teh42. We have three hosts this week. I'm Randy Cassingham, founder of thisistrue.com, the oldest entertainment newsletter on the internet, and the meme site randysrandom.com, which this week is featuring one of the best movies ever princess bride which came out 31 years ago this shut your mouth no isn't that crazy no no 31 years Mm. seems like it was just 30 it seems inconceivable (laughs) inconceivable yeah Mm -hmm. yeah uh do i go next i am kevin savitz i am creator of freeprintable.net a site that lets you download free printable documents and templates and faxzero.com, a site that lets you send faxes anywhere in the U.S. or Canada for free. Cool. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig, and I make mobile games, mostly for the iPhone and iPad. You can find those at clevermedia.com. And I also am the host and producer at macmost.com, where I post new Mac, iPhone, and iPad tutorials pretty much every day. Speaking of every day, what have you been up to this week, Randy? Well, just a real everyday thing that everyone can relate to. Um, I'm a volunteer medic, and uh, last week I was called out to uh, land a helicopter for a critical patient, so I went uh, zooming down to the fairgrounds, and when the ambulance got there with that patient, the chief paramedic said, Randy, take this ambulance, go back to the scene and get the last patient and take him to the hospital. So I was like, uh, okay. So you can <laughs> drive an ambulance. Uh, I, but you usually, should do that, right? Do I you? usually will drive, oh. but this time uh, we had a driver who was mm. not a medic, so he had to drive, and I had to oh, I take care of the patient. Oh. But it was wow. a crazy wreck, and we ended up bringing in two helicopters because two people were hurt that bad. Thanks. Which is, you know, amazing. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, and we have a hospital that's, you know, from where that was, maybe half an hour away, but it's not necessarily an appropriate hospital because they can only handle certain things. So if you need a neurologist or a lot of rebuilding, they need to go to Grand Junction, which is about 90 miles away or about 90 minutes away if you're screaming down the road. So we use helicopters for that. Wow. So I know it's, it's kind of crazy, but hey, that's part of living in a rural area. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's great to do. So, I mean, you yeah. guys can identify with that, right? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. What I've been <laughs> sure. doing this week was pretty much that. Yeah. Except it was just launching. <laughs> Except yours was more exciting. Oh, yeah. No, I, I you, didn't you do it. You made a game where you drive an ambulance all around. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't do anything remotely as exciting as that. But, uh, you know, I did get my new course off the ground. So. I now have a uh, my first new course in many months. Um, it's uh, the Guide to Mojave. So that's uh, up now because today, well, today we're recording this Monday night, is the release of the new Mac OS. And I had a course ready to go, uh, and I released that today. So we can include a link to that. And, uh, oh, and I should mention, if anybody does want to get it, I do these... Uh, you know, launch specials. So I've, it's not like 50% off. And then after like, by the end of next week, 
it goes to 25% off. I always offer some sort of discount if you come through my website, but uh, the 50% off thing, that's just like this week and next. So um, and we'll put that uh, link on the yeah. show page. Yep. Cool. How about you, Kevin? I had a, a busy week of various things that don't go together, but they're all, they're interesting. Um, I launched no new courses and I drove no new ambulances. Uh, but I, I, did uh, test drive a Tesla and then uh, ordered one. That was, that was probably Whoa. my exciting thing of the week. Yeah. Did you go crazy and get the performance model? I did. I got the Model 3 right. performance model. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a zero to 60. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's like half a second or something ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm never going to drive it like that. I'm, I'm not that kind of person. I, I, I'm scared of things of speed you know, so but uh it was um quieter than the, the other one it less road noise and and just had kind of a better feel in, in the turns and stuff so uh that's kind of why i i splurged and and ordered the uh the performance model so yeah that'll be here when it's it's here um kind of interesting you know you go in there and you i talk to the the salesperson and she, you know, we test drove and did all that. And then when you actually go to order the car, they just take you to the Tesla website and you fill it out yeah. the form like you could have done it at home. There was no special anything. It was just, you know, go to the website. And then the salesperson was just like, okay, once you go home, um, you need to fill out a bunch more questions, you know, the, the names of the owners of the car and insurance information and, you know, financing and, and whatever. And I'm like, okay, great. So I go home. Uh, and I tried all weekend and today, Monday, to actually fill out the online form, and it doesn't work. Um, I've tried three browsers and two computers, and you go enter the first bit of information about the owner's names, and I just get like a, kind of a gray spinning circle doo, 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 that hangs out yeah. forever. And uh, so I, you know, I called the number and waited on hold for 25 minutes and they were just like oh you should you know use chrome i was like i tried chrome i tried it's not me it's you guys you know <laughs> and she's like your sales woman is not there today i'm like she's not gonna be able to fix the server fix your server and uh so anyway so i've just been bashing my head against this wall just for you know trying every couple hours for days now and it's just it's uh, very frustrating and so it, it's kind of a feel like a inauspicious start to uh this experience of, of getting this, uh, this car. And I reached out to Tesla on Twitter and I haven't heard back. And so I guess, uh, yeah. And I don't think I'm actually in line until I fill out this, this form. So, yeah, so you've sort of ordered a Tesla. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been charged, uh, but I haven't, you know, been assigned anything yet. So that's been a little frustrating. Um, so there's, I have the idea of a Tesla, maybe sort of. On, on, on well, they're the first American car company to survive and make it since Ford, which just is crazy. Um, and I, I hope they succeed. I, I think they're doing some amazing things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, I was a little worried when it seemed, seems like Elon Musk was going off the rails a few weeks ago. And, you know, I was just like mm, uh, a little worried about that, but decided to put my faith in the company and see what happens. So, so yeah, there's that. I'm sure there'll be further developments if I ever manage to. Uh, and that's pretty up. tech. What's that? I said, that's pretty tech. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty tech. Yeah. And I think you'll be enthusiastic. 
<laughs> I, I think so. I mean, it's an amazing car to drive, and it's just very different. Because, I mean, there's no dashboard at all. It's, there's a screen in the middle, like a, a big like computer monitor sort of placed in the middle, and that's where everything happens from you know, your speedometer to just everything. So uh, it's, it's different. I got to sit in one once, um, just a guy that was showing it off and it's like, yeah, can I uh, look at it? Sure. Come on in. You know, I didn't get to ride it in or drive it, but uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I'm jealous, but I don't drive very much. So I am. um, Yeah. I, I guess it would be a waste, you know, from the environmental standpoint, right. You know, you're supposed to, Oh, it's electric. It's environmental. Yeah. But, for me, it would be like a waste to produce an entire car so I could have it. So I, then I could not drive it because I don't really drive anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I live in an urban area where, and I work from home. So it's kind of, yeah. I think I actually, funny thing is today, I actually looked at my odometer and in the last 12 months, I have put 3,000 miles on my car. Wow. Yep. I got so you I gotta, have a car. Yeah, I do have a car, but 3,000 miles in a year. I'm about to go on a, on a road trip in, in next month that will add a bunch for the coming year. But, um, yeah, I was surprised. I was like, that was it? That's how much I put on? Oh, okay. Realistically, this is my wife's car because she drives more than I do. Uh, even when we go somewhere, somewhere together, she tends to drive. So, But still, I get to play with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll be back in a couple days, dear. Yeah, right. <laughs> Driving to the nearest super trader station. <laughs> to the one no, the farthest one. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're right, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did that and uh, excited about that. And uh, I read a book, a techie book. Uh, it's been kind of on my list for a while, uh, The Victorian Internet, The Remarkable Story of the Telegraph and the 19th Century Online Pioneers, um, which I it's enjoyed. Very- Really interesting to me. Um, it yeah. was it was, was it really good? interesting. I, I enjoyed it very much. I listened to it in an audio book. Um, I've been using a app called Libby, which uh, is a app that that works with your with your library card. Pretty much, you know, if you have a any library card, uh, you put that information in there, and then you can download eBooks and audiobooks. And uh, so I've been using listening to the audiobooks with it, and uh, it's a great app. Um, and uh, it was it was a very nice book. Um, uh, just ca- talked about the, the the history of the telegraph, uh, you know, how, kind of how it came to be, starting with like visual signaling systems that people came up with, and then how the telegraph came to be, and 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 then I thought got super interesting when it talked about kind of the 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 society that developed around the telegraph. Um, it was kind of a you know, the industry of the telegraph operators, uh, and they made their own community, you know, and and they could tell who they were based on just like the king styles, and you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, which really freaks me out. I mean, yeah. I'm a ham, and I I should know that, but just the style of which somebody sends Morse code, mm-hmm. you can tell who it is. Yeah, is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then they talked about how the telegraph changed the world, how it changed uh, 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 finance and 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 business, and how it changed journalism, um, and how it just you know caused all these other effects to happen. And then how eventually you know basically telegraphy died because it was replaced by by better things like the telephone and and uh, and automated 
telegraphy and that sort of thing. So uh, good book, and uh, I recommend it. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I mentioned that I read it a couple of years ago, and I hope I'm remembering this story right from that's from this book. But you talk about how it changed all those things, and I think there's a story in there about how it changed law enforcement because until the telegraph, <laughs> the, it, you could rob a bank, and as long as you robbed the bank and got immediately on the train out of town, mm-hmm. they couldn't catch you because right. the fastest information would travel was the train. So if you got on the first train out of town, you could get to another town. Like you could rob a bank in Philadelphia, get on the train to New York, and the information that, that you had robbed a bank wouldn't be in New York until the next train arrived. And when they had the, the first telegraph line, it was the first time that they were actually able to telegraph ahead and catch bank robbers that arrived in New York after robbing a bank in Philadelphia. And it sounds silly and stupid, but it actually was a common technique mm-hmm. of bank robbers was rob the bank, get out of there at 5.55, catch the 6 o'clock train, which is three-minute run away from the bank, mm-hmm. and you're, you're home free. And then the telegraph ended that. And I, I think there's also stories too about the first you know, uses of cryptography, how they, yeah. were, they would send stock tips over, I think it was the visual part you were talking about, the visual telegraph where they actually had like visual signals, uh, you know, on these towers. Right, whether the market had gone up or down yeah, that yep. day. And if, and if you, and at that point with, you know, news traveled so slow, if you knew an hour before everybody else, then that was big. You know, you could buy your stock one or the other. Yep. And, and so it was important when they sent that information to encrypt it because otherwise anybody could read that. So, you, you know, you had these visual stations that were going across France, I think, and the stock market in London would close and the information would travel from visual station to visual station to Paris. But if you were sending something important, somebody could be at the other end and just read what was coming off of the cards. Mm-hmm. And they would know. So if you wanted to have the advantage, you had to encrypt it <laughs> in yeah. some way. So only your guy in Paris could actually get that message and then say, ah, this, you know, uh, you know, iron, the price of iron changed or whatever. But, but, the, but the hard part about that was only like a, a, you know, government officials who, who had been trained to be a telegraph could do that. So basically they had to bribe someone to, <laughs> yeah. you know, send the information. So, uh, uh, one of my favorite stories in the book was uh, about a young lady uh, who wanted to get married to a young man, and they were in the same city. And uh, her father was, was like, absolutely not. You're not going to marry him. You know, he's no good or, you know, whatever fathers say. And he said, you're going to marry this other guy. And she was just like, no. So he, the dad, the father, sent the young woman away to another city. So to stay with an aunt or whatever. And uh, so she wouldn't be near the man that she wanted to marry. So the woman sends a telegraph, a telegram message to uh, her boyfriend. She says, go to your local telegraph office at noon tomorrow and bring a minister. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and she went to her telegraph office and, and they were married over telegraph. <laughs> And then uh, they didn't tell anybody. And then later when the, when the dad was just like, okay, you're going to you know, go marry this upstanding other guy now. She was just like, nope, sorry, I can't. I'm already married. <laughs> that would be big of me. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, great, great, uh, great book. book. Uh, I second Kevin's recommendation. Um, if you want a good read, it's a good one. Yeah. All right. So Kevin, yeah. 
what's this about Twitter keyword mute? I don't, I haven't even heard of that yet. So, well, I apparently I started. Yeah, I, I found this accidentally. I'm, maybe, I'm sure there's people who know all about this, but I discovered it accidentally, and I, I think it saved my Twitter account. Um, I was feeling very frustrated with Twitter, and and I would, I've been. Uh, I mean, I use it. It's it's my go-to social media thing. I don't enjoy Facebook. I I I, I don't. Twitter is what I like, but I've been enjoying it less and less. In fact, it's been a, become a, a, a just a frustrating, angering experience because there's all this politics in there and why, you know, I think it's important to stay up on the news. I, it's such a just constant flow of angering, uh, just upsetting news lately. And I, I, I used to just go to Twitter to see what my buddies were doing with old computer projects and, you know, Atari guys and Apple people and, and people messing with plotters and stuff like that. And it, that's like, it felt like 10% of Twitter anymore. And it's all just, you know, uh, politics. I so, follow better people apparently. Yeah. Apparently. Well, you know, and then, and then Twitter just sort of started interjecting things. It's like, you know, if, if one guy liked something, there's like a 25% chance I'll see, you know, that Randy Cassingham liked this random post. And like, I, anyway, so I discovered, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what retweets are for. Um, so I discovered if you go to uh, your settings and privacy and then uh, muted words, you can mute words. So they will not appear in your timeline ever. Um, such as Trump or Hillary. Such as you're right, Trump or Hillary, and I, I blocked Republican, and I uh, blocked Democrat, and I conservative and liberal, and retweet if and uh, uh, Brexit and just anything political related, and um, instantly Twitter got good again. <laughs> it just <laughs> pretty much became oh here's all my friends talking about old computers and plotters and you know uh, uh, Apple twos. But you didn't see my tweet about my bridge game where I made liberal use of Trump cards. <laughs> <laughs> no, I might have I missed that. <gasps> um, anyway, and I made a post about this, and it's gotten just a tons of ton of likes and retweets. And apparently, people other people didn't know about this, and uh, other people have told me that they've started employing this. Uh, uh, technique. So I just wanted to put it out there that if uh, you enjoy Twitter less than you used to, uh, that might be a way to uh, solve the problem. Uh, now you're just going to have these bots that are going to try to write these clever posts that don't use any of the keywords that people <laughs> I don't mention party names or candidates or whatever, but just right. like use other terms to describe their or misspellings or uh, might be good. Could happen. Yeah. So good luck to them. But uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's, that's my it's my uh, fun for this week. Well, we two episodes ago we talked yeah. about Google taking the www off your URLs in the new version of Chrome mm-hmm. and the M, and some, there was a a big backlash, and they have backed off. So they're going to not do that, and uh, I think that just shows the power of the people, and you know everybody thinks. Google has the power online, and yeah, they have a lot of it, but it isn't necessarily unbeatable. So I, I think it was very cool that the backlash caused them to back off. 
That's nice. Well, I've seen uh, stories this week, though, about a new thing that Chrome is doing that, that's upsetting people, where yes. they're, they're automatically, if you have a Google account, which of course you do, it's automatically logging you in uh, to when you're just searching, even if you haven't you know, logged into your account, it's automatically getting that data and putting it into your account. So uh, some of the, the private thing, searches you're doing that you think are private or not, um, just because you're using Chrome. So is that is that on? I thought that maybe I'm wrong. Was on just on Android? Is that well? It, it's when you log into any Google service, it also logs in your Chrome to your Google account, so that uh, it keeps track of where you've been and you know the cookies and all that kind of stuff, and then it apparently syncs it with your phone or your other computer that's also logged in, that type of thing. It's not that, you know, if you go to a, if, if you go to like the, an, an incognito window and you're not yeah. logging into anything that's Google related, no, it's not going to do that. But it's still, you know, it's a change in how the browser operates and they didn't really give any notice that they were doing that. And some people were kind of upset that things were being recorded that they didn't really want recorded. I'm surprised that, you know, Chrome hasn't taken a bigger hit. Maybe they have, you know, with all this privacy stuff over the last six months, people have been talking about. Um, it just seems to me sometimes to be the same people that say, oh, Chrome is a superior browsing choice, and then that are also saying that, oh, you know, privacy this, privacy that. It's like, well, Chrome has got to be the, the worst choice to make if privacy is a big concern. I mean, because Google is the big, you know, company that wants to collect all the data and put ads and, you know, and link all your stuff together. Um, and so I'm sometimes I'm surprised that people are like, uh, on the Mac side of things, there's, you know, the browser wars alive with Chrome versus Safari all the time. And Safari is an extremely private browser with lots of privacy functions. And, and Apple actually blocking by default lots of common browser practices that are used by advertisers. And Chrome is like the opposite, where you can actually log in to your Google account in the browser. I mean, the browser itself could be logged in to your Google account. You know what I'm saying? It's just very... Yeah, because it syncs bookmarks and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm surprised. Maybe maybe there is some backlash. I, I think there's you know, some Firefox backlash. I think that's why Firefox is having a resurgence. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm using Firefox, it for some things. Sure. I mean, I use Chrome as my main browser. But I also use Firefox for certain things. Yeah, one of the new features of the latest Safari is, you know, this, you know, uh, trying to block browser identity stuff. So it does all these things that masks your footprint because if a website is trying to, like, say, okay, I, you, you're not allowing me to use cookies, but, you know, here's some other things, your, your um, user agent and your IP address and your, you know, a few other things like that, and we can kind of, get close to figuring out this is you, the same person that was browsing for cars yesterday is now browsing for Tesla today or something and, and then serve up ads and Safari is doing more to block those kinds of uh, identifiers. And I'm noticing that some websites are now refusing to serve pages if you're simply using an incognito window, which is really surprising to me. I don't know why they care. Um, who, who does this? Uh, several sites I've seen. Huh. Uh, the one I can think of off the top of my head is the Orlando Sentinel. Oh, and, okay. You know, well, they're probably doing going, it for paywall, right? I mean, I don't know. But I'm guessing. 
Uh, I'm not, they may be one of those that you get a certain number of article views per month before they require you to yeah. pay. And incognito is a way of getting around that because it doesn't save the cookies. Right. That's exactly, so, uh, exactly what a lot of newspaper sites are fighting against is they have these, they have to set a cookie in order to figure out, you know, that you've already looked at your five articles this month, you know, and then to say you need to pay to see more. But if you go into incognito mode or just delete your cookies, then it looks like you're visiting for the first time. Yeah, and so there's there's ways around this. I mean, you can selectively delete the Orlando Sentinel's cookies. It's part of the browser function. Uh, so I'm not really sure what they're really saving by implementing this, but it's just a, a new trend I've been noticing. I wonder how they do it technically because incognito mode called uh, you know privacy mode or or whatever it it should be indistinguishable from like I just got a new computer you know I, I thought time. so too but apparently not hmm. I mean I people I who s- people who visit the Orlando Sentinel don't have a new computer <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what it is well no because I mean you because you can you know if you block cookies you can detect that easily enough you set a cookie. You get that cookie, and if it's not there, it's like, ah, you're blocking cookies. Um, but they can't, uh, they shouldn't be able to detect if simply the cookie is new and it's, you know, because they test and it should be there, you know, that, and that, so I don't know. It's, uh, I'll have to look into that. That's, I'm curious. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting conundrum. Yep. So, Gary, tell us about this new copyright thing. I listened to yeah. last week's episode, and you guys talked about copyright some then. And uh, I know quite a bit about copyright, and I didn't hear anything that you guys supposed wrong. So, good job. <laughs> but this this uh, new thing, which I only learned about pretty recently, is is interesting too. Yeah, well, if we didn't get anything wrong last week, that's good. We'll probably do it this week. We'll get some stuff wrong. <laughs> it, Twice as much wrong today. This is, this is actually – I actually had to read – like um, you guys saw, I posted like two links, and the first link is this extremely long article that, after reading it very carefully, and it's a very long, boring article, um, I still didn't understand what this thing was about. It's called the Music Modernization Act, and it's basically an overhaul of copyright rules, or at least like how royalties are paid for music uh, in the United States. And it has popular support in Congress in that the House pretty much passed it unanimously. The Senate took it, and they tweaked a couple things and then pretty much passed it unanimously. And so now they just have to do the compromise bill, which would probably be no big issue since there wasn't much opposition. Um, and, and then it will probably pass. And so I read another article, and that other article was before it went to Congress and explained kind of what it was trying to do. And basically, copyright's a mess when it comes to paying artists and streaming music services. You know, you're you're an artist that had a hit out in the 70s, and now people are playing it on Spotify or Apple Music or Pandora or whatever. And you need to get paid for that. And uh, it, I didn't realize it was such a big mess. I knew people weren't getting paid, right? But I didn't realize things like there were still physical paper copies that needed to be part of the process. Like they'd actually have to figure out how many times that song was played and then send actual physical pieces of paper across to the publishers to calculate like how much money should go to the, you know, the artist 
or the copyright holder of the song. And it was a huge amount of work and, and um, cost a lot of money. It was a big pain in the ass. And it had a big, uh, like a fail rate where artists just weren't getting paid just because it was such a complex system that a lot of stuff just didn't happen. Like the money would never actually make it to the other end, you know, where somebody was artists didn't get paid. That never happens. So, so they, they put together this system. It's it's not, it's like a bill, but it's actually a system to make it all digital. So it's a, it's, and this is, I had to do a lot of research to find out this is what actually the bill does. It actually is kind of standardizing a like system for, you know, if you own a streaming music service and you play a song, you actually can record that in a database in a standard format and it's electronic and that all goes to a central like clearinghouse that this bill would, you know, this law would create. Um, and then it would automatically go through the system and calculate how much money goes to that artist. So, you know, a company like Spotify would play all this music. They pay a whole bunch of money in there, give all this data about what songs they played calculations would be run along with you know apple music and pandora and everything else and in the end an artist that had a song that was played so many times in so many different places it would just spit out a number saying they're owed this amount of money and they would get paid appropriately um, rather than before where it may just be so complex that the artist just doesn't even say a chance of getting their money um, so that's good news and that, that kind of explains why there's support both on the artist's so there's support by the artists. There's support by the publishers, which is strange because artist publishers usually don't support the same things. And there was support somewhat from the music companies like Spotify and such, although not everybody was on board. Uh, Sirius X, X, uh, Sirius FM or XM or whatever, they had some. They have some issues still with the current bill, though I think they're. It sounds like they're in favor of a lot of it because it'll make things easier for them. There's just some other things they want to deal with. And there were some threats against Sirius. You know, it's like, if, if you block this, yeah. we're going to boycott you. Yeah. Which could, yeah. could hurt them. So yeah, Sirius and, bought, uh, they bought Pandora today, by the way. Right, right, exactly. That was big news this morning. So it kind of all relates. I, I think it sounded like Sirius had a specific issue. And it wasn't the overall like artists getting paid for stuff. It was something to do with a, a a certain part of the bill they wanted just modified, they said, not changed completely. So I don't know. Again, it's very legal details and all this. And uh, now the other thing it deals with is there is a, apparently a big issue with any music that was copywritten before 1972. And basically, if you had a song that you wrote before 1972 and it was, it's played on one of these services, good luck getting any money from it. It's just probably not going to happen. But this corrects it. And supposedly... Which I was fascinated by because what, what it basically said was, and I, I waded through this article also, huh. was that really in the old system, the person who wrote the song, actually got it down on paper, is the one that's protected. And the artist who recorded the song, which may or may not be the same person, is not protected. So that's why you, they were able to stream some of these songs without paying any royalties. Right. And that apparently the states were uh, regulating and sort of copyright protecting performances, which is bizarre. I mean, talking about horrible paperwork, you know, I have to do something different if your listener is in California from another one that's in you know, yeah. New Jersey. Come on. 
Well, there was also apparently the the publishers, you know, like Spotify and Apple and all, they also had lots of issues where they would get music from publishers and say, here you go, here's like 5 million songs in our catalog and you have the rights now to play any of them. And then they would go on and play them and then an artist would come out of nowhere and say, hey, you don't have the rights to play my music, you owe me lots of money and there's going to be, you know, lawyers and courts and everything involved. And And it turns out that the artist was right in some way and the publisher was wrong in some way and it's all very complicated and it made you know the companies that are streaming the music very uneasy and this gets rid of that this basically is a system everybody buys into and you know so you get you get your music through this system and you know you're covered basically basically it says if you, if you follow these rules as a publisher like spotify then you can't be sued because everything is taken care of. You know, you, you really do have the rights to play these songs through the system. There's no kind of like double standard of one person saying you do, one person saying you don't. And, and I think that was a big burden on some of these companies of like not knowing. It's like tomorrow are we going to get sued for another $10 million by some you know, group from the 70s because somebody didn't do the right thing in a contract 40 years ago? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, so anyway, it's interesting. I'm always nervous whenever Congress touches anything to do with copyright. Um, but, you know, if, the, if all these people in the industry are seem to be happy on all sides with this, it's kind of an unusual piece of legislation. Yeah, the unanimity is just amazing. Yeah. It should be passed pretty soon. I think Senate's probably busy with some other things right now. But, but maybe uh, <laughs> in a week or two, you know, this seems to be the kind of like slam dunk, like end of the day thing that they could pass and, and I'm also curious to see, you know, if it hopefully increases the amount of music available. Because sometimes you do come across songs on these services that are not available for weird reasons. And I, like I'm wondering that 1972 thing, if that's why the Beatles are only available on Apple Music and there was a special agreement. I'm wondering if it was because the Beatles realized they couldn't make any money from these streaming services. And then Apple Music maybe came in and their agreement that they have was that they would pay them directly or something. And I think then this, that's exactly what happened because there yeah. was a long time when there was no Beatles online at yeah. all. And, and it was a big deal that it was they a big got deal. on Apple Music. Yeah. Right. And, then, and Apple kind of came in and, and, and claimed exclusivity. So I'm sure that had to be some sort of contractual deal. Yeah, so it'll be good. It'll be good to have – I mean, I'm all in on uh, digital music, and I'm an old you know guy that used to have – vinyl records and be proud of his vinyl collection and and all of that and i went completely to the other side because i love music and i love being able to sit here and just think of some artist or album or song or something and have it at my fingertips it's so amazing i just I, I i'm still like amazed that i can just be like standing in my kitchen and think of a song or my wife and i you know mentioned some old thing and you can just say you know alexa play this song and then it just works you know it's just always works and it's just amazing that uh, we live in that world i i know and and it's it's i yeah i, I think so too i was just in a record store this weekend um and you uh, found just, a record store yeah wow, that's he's right there i was the one he's in, in he's in boulder i'm in i'm in portland there's like record stores in every corner yeah yeah really uh, now, okay. and there are, there's actually record stores like four blocks from my house too <laughs> but mostly cds but this was like a vinyl store and i was talking with the you know, the guy behind the counter and stuff. And it was a weird feeling because I felt like, a, a, you know, I don't know, 
kin, kinmanship or whatever with the guy behind the counter, you know, into vinyl records and all that. But part of me was like, don't mention to him that you you sold all of your records and you're all done on digital music because he'd probably like kick you out or something like that. I don't know. He's, he's probably heard that story hundred times by now. I guess it's and people uh, re- with regretsies that they. Uh, I, I get it. I get why people like that and enjoy collecting physical, you know, the the vinyl or CDs or whatever it is they collect. But to me, it's always been about the music, and I love having the you know the music and i was never maybe it's because i would you know i did you know i knew a little bit about media law and everything from way back but i never felt like i owned the music like people would say oh yeah i own that album and i'd be like no you don't and they were like yeah i do it's right here i own it it's mine i'm like okay take your record player go someplace public and play it now you're breaking the law because you're putting on a public performance. What? Yeah. yeah, it's not your music. It belongs to Led Zeppelin or the Beatles or you know Crosby, Stills and Nash. That's who owns the music. You have a license and a physical copy to you know that the license allows you to play. That's all that you have. It must be fun at parties. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> all right. Fine. But you know he's right. Yeah. Yes, he's right. It's right, and so and technically, technically correct is the best kind of correct. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> especially at parties. Maybe this is why I don't get invited to parties anymore. But yeah, I mean, my point is, is that I, I didn't own the music when it was on vinyl, sitting in my basement, and I don't own the music now. But I enjoy the fact that I can listen to almost anything right now. Matter of fact, when I was sitting in that record store, I thought I could go home and listen to much more music than exists in this record store. And I thought, wait a minute, I don't even have to go home. My iPhone's in my pocket. I could actually yeah. listen to more music than is in this record store right here while in this record store. And that's how Gary got kicked out of the record store. And that's how I got banned <laughs> from all record stores in Colorado. And you're not welcome back. Anyway, music's awesome. That's all. Well, I, speaking that's all of Apple and all that, yeah. I know you guys are both Apple-oids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm an Android guy, and Android turned 10 years old yesterday, which is pretty neat. It's um, only one-third of the age of Princess Bride. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I know that Apple invented the smartphone, but Android came back later and did something different, and now they have 85% of the market, which I'm sure just grates on you guys. Um, but I love it because it, it's so different. It's configurable. It's meant to have different platforms and different uh, uh, setups. And uh, I just think it's a, a big milestone to celebrate. Go ahead, argue with me. Congratulations. Uh, no, I'm not, <laughs> I, I think it was kind of – it was an interesting – thing that Google did with the Android operating system. You know, Apple came out with their phone, came out with an operating system for their phone, and then Google said, well, we just can't do the same thing, which is exactly what Microsoft said. Microsoft said, we'll do exactly the same thing. And they tried that like seven times and failed each time. Google said, we'll just create an operating system and then give it away to manufacturers. So anybody that wants to compete against Apple can then use our operating system and it was, it was brilliant, brilliant brilliant way to do it and probably the way that kind of would have happened no matter what. Like whoever thought of it at Google, 
it would somebody else would have thought of it somebody you know else didn't if it, it was just it's just the way it's kind of meant to be two two operating systems competing like that um so you know it's uh it makes sense and they both have their strengths you know google and the main strength of android being price <laughs> um you know you could there's probably always been an android phone on the market that costs almost nothing right and i i think it's integration because you know if i think that's the the power of both of them if you're in the apple ecosystem it integrates beautifully with your computer yeah if you're in the google slash windows ecosystem and i know that's you know a venn diagram that's not perfectly overlapping uh it's it's wonderful because when I get a new Android phone, I log into Google and all of a sudden I've got all of my appointments, I've got all my contacts, and it starts downloading all the apps that I use, uh, which is really neat. And I, I suppose that it, the same thing happens when you move from one iPhone to the next one. Sure. Yes, definitely. And, you know, the weird thing is, is Android's definitely a more open system. I mean, I could, I could literally create an Android app and I could put it on my website, and then people could just click and in, you know, install a package on their phone. So it's very open in that way. But um, the weird thing is, on the iPhone, you could actually run an iPhone pretty much on the Google ecosystem, which is interesting. So you could say, I'm not going to use iCloud, but I am going to log in with my Gmail account and use notes and calendar and mail. Um, and, you know, the Google Maps and Google searches and everything like that. Um, even Cortana, um, or not Cortana, Cortana is uh, it's, it's it's OK, okay yeah. Google or whatever, you know. I could use all of that on an iPhone because Google's is more open. So Google's stuff is on the iPhone and Apple's is more closed, meaning that you can't use, you know, Siri Apple music or, or Apple Music or any of that stuff on, or actually, can you? Or maybe that's just rumors. I don't know. I, there are certain things you can. Like you can go, for instance, for iCloud, there are certain things you can. But it's definitely not, it doesn't work the same way. It's, if if you want to be in the Apple ecosystem, you have an iPhone. If you want to be in the Google ecosystem, you can actually have an iPhone and still use just about everything. Google has, I think, 30 or 40 Google apps for the iPhone. Um, so it's weird because yeah. one is more open the other phone is the one. But you broke. pretty much have to be in the Apple ecosystem somewhat because that's a, a little that's bit. the only way you get the apps from, from Apple, right? Right, yeah. But you, I mean, I don't know. It's I guess it's not a part of the ecosystem. You know, if you're going to buy an app, you know, it's a $3 app. If you're buying it from Google or you're buying it from Apple, you know, it's still you're just purchasing. It's not like it's part of the ecosystem. It's like a separate. Actually, you're just purchase. licensing it. You're not owning it. Exactly. <laughs> Even if you were to burn it onto vinyl, <laughs> you could do a public performance of that app. Yeah. But anyway. Burn. Android, <laughs> Android, uh, Android 10 years. Okay, yeah, I don't need to beat this one anymore. I, I just thought it was a, a nice milestone. Nice round number. Cool. All right, I got a, a quickie. Randy doesn't think I should talk about it, but I think it's funny, and I'm just gonna it's okay. real quick. <laughs> uh, someone created a font. Uh, it's a sneaky font designed to make your essays look longer. It's called Times Newer Roman. 
<laughs> basically it's for students or whatever who you know need to write a, a, a three-page document and, you know the professor is just like you need to use 12 point font you know single space you can only have one inch margins right one inch margin you know, every, everybody knows you you know you can move in the margins to you know to make a, a but 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 if you've got a, 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 a professor who cares about these things and and you know wants to make sure you have one inch margins and you use a 12 point font well you can use times newer roman which is just like a little bit uh, wider that the kerning is different so that the, uh, the the spacing between the letters is a little bit more so uh you have to write less <laughs> using this so anyway i thought it was clever that's funny yeah I just uh yeah so it's something like you can write it was something like fifteen uh, percent shorter or something like that. Anyway, so Kevin, yeah. you and I are about the same age. Yeah. When when and I know we both had like computers in the in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Were you like the only student like me that actually had a printer and printed out stuff that I typed on my home computer and handed that in in class? You were you know in the early days before other people actually had access to I, printers. I had a few nerdy friends who were equally nerdy, but we were in the minority for sure. And there was like definitely a class or two where I turned in these beautiful printed documents that other people were doing longhand. Sure. Or type actually typing. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, I don't think a lot of other kids typed, but, uh, and and I may be older, but I was doing the same thing. It's just, I was doing it in college instead of high school. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yeah. 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 I just remember, I mean, it is funny now to think, you know, the kids today, well, first of all, let me tell you, kids today, I'm, uh, the thing that surprises me about this Times New Roman, come to think of it, is who's handing in printed out assignments? I've got a kid in school, and I... You I upload it, don't you? Everything is yeah, uploaded. Yeah. My kid is in, what is she in now, sixth grade, and one, not all of her teachers, but one of her teachers says uh, she does not want papers handed back, so, so the kid gets her homework uh, on paper, she can do the work on paper and then she's expected to take a picture of it with her iPad or whatever and then upload it to a Google Drive. Really? That's how she, that's how she submits her homework. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. no, that's it's it's similar here. They've uh, various school systems uh, and actually the Google ecosystem is part of it. it um, mm-hmm. So it, it's it's weird. It's weird the stuff they're doing uh, today. It's like online stuff. A lot of it is scans though. Like they have a license at uh, schools to scan textbooks to use. So they'll get like a textbooks license and then they <sighs> hand out the pages and they, and so originally I think the license was that they can make copies right. and then hand them to the class. And then that is now extended that they don't actually give them the copies. They scan them in and they're probably using their phones, right? You know, that's how mm-hmm. you scan now. And then they, Actually, the kids log on to their Google Docs account. That's like a special school version of Google Docs. And mm-hmm. they see a PDF of like the five pages from the math workbook or whatever. And they don't get the textbook. Right. And it's huh. really frustrating because every once in a while I get a question like, how do you do this? And I'm like, well, let me see the textbook. Because the tech, I'll probably glance at the textbook and I'll remember. It's right. like, uh, yeah, we didn't have the textbook. The teacher explains on the board. We then get these you know, PDFs and and you know, that's it. I'm like, oh crap. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. All you gotta do is Google it. Come on. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> Though you end up with a lot of junk when you Google too. True. Uh, I've learned like a lot of videos that are like, God, you're horrible at explaining this. Why are you? 
<laughs> Why did you feel compelled to make a YouTube video explaining this when obviously you're not very good at doing it? <laughs> you know, I have a little website that it's gotten, all of a sudden it's getting uh, a lot more traffic. Uh, it's called uh, simplifyfractions.com. And <laughs> it's, yeah, it's basically, it not only shows you the answer of like, you know, uh, that 3660 is the same as, you know, uh, three fifths, but it shows you every step, like three different ways to do it. And, uh, um, but uh, yeah, all of a sudden it's just like getting all this traffic now that school started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. That's, aw- that's awesome. Um, yeah, and the, anyway, so that was just, I, wanna, I thought it was funny, I want to mention it. Um, and from the uh, take this with a grain of salt category, maybe, uh, I saw a couple of stories, uh, one at CNET and, and one at Fortune, uh, saying that the uh, prediction is that next year, half of all phone calls to cell phones will be scams. Um, and the way I said, it is I, I'm more than that now. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm oh, yeah. more than half too. Oh, definitely. I am. Um, uh, anyway, but the, the information that is coming from first Orion an Arkansas company that provides caller ID and blocking services. So I feel like maybe uh, they have a, they have vested a interest. Vested interest in making us, fear the phone or whatever. But uh, anyway, they said, you know, they do have data. Uh, They said that the the volume of mobile phone scam calls has risen 3.7% of the total calls in 2017 to 29.2% in 2018. And the number is likely to reach 44.6% by early 2019. So do either of you guys answer your phone when it rings and you don't know who it is? Almost never, but I have a big exception. You know how they do the scam now where they spoof the caller ID? Right. And it's coming from your local exchange. They, they're coming from your local yeah. exchange. And yeah. I am always worried if my child isn't home, mm-hmm. right, and she's at school, then I'm worried, well, what if she broke her leg in the hallway or something like that and a somebody – a friend sure. or a teacher who knows like That's exact, you're falling right into their trap. Well, yeah, but they're, so they're all Let like the kid bleed in the hallway. That will show those scammers. <laughs> show scammer. So, I mean, but the thing is I have no problem with immediately hanging up. Um, you know, as soon as I, I know, there, and I'm surprised that other people do, but this is like a real thing. There are people that feel obliged, you know, if somebody's on the other line, a real human that actually like talks and say, no, sorry, excuse me, blah, blah. I just hang up immediately. Just hit the red button. I don't need to explain anything. I don't need to, you know, be polite. Just immediately hit the red button, cut them right off. Um, and uh, so that's my thing. My thinking is I'll answer, but if it's, if it's not something real, which it almost it never is, it never has been, I immediately hit that red button. And if I can account for all members of my family right now, you know, I know where they all are. Yeah. <laughs> then no, I, I don't even, I don't even answer the phone. Um, I, um, I've had the same phone number. I've, I've lived in Portland for eight years now and I still have a California number because I am kind and don't want to inconvenience my friends uh, for reentering my phone number for, for texting, which is the proper way to contact anybody. Um, so yeah, if I get a, a, a call from my old 707 area code, I know it's a scam because I don't know any, you know, it's not, I don't, my kid is not, uh, did not break her arm in the hallway back in California. Um, maybe here in Portland, but not from 707. So I will not answer except if sometimes I'm feeling cheeky and I do answer scam calls just to waste their time and, you know, have fun. But, uh, <laughs> I, 
I, uh, I enjoy doing that. It's so unsatisfying when you decide to do that and there's nobody there. Like it's just checking. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, you didn't even give me the satisfaction of hanging up on you. Right. You hung up on me. You called me just to hang up on me. Kind of like the worst. <laughs> they use predictive dialing and they uh, misallocated resources of the, their human resource. My favorite ones are when you get the calls um, where they have uh, pre-recorded things that they can choose uh, from a menu, I believe. Yeah, they can say you know, they have their spiel, and then they have, can say certain things like yes, no, and would you like more information, and and whatever you know. They, they, someone just clicks there. I, I assume it's because someone is not a native English speaker, might have a very heavy accent or something like that. I, I guess why they do that. So when they call, I'm just like, I will. Uh, I'll buy it all. I'll buy. I'll buy the whole thing. I'll buy everything you're selling me if you can just tell me the day of the week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they can't because that's not a pre-recorded message. So. Uh, that's that's my fun. What about you, Randy? Do you have the answer a call? I do not. And you know, if if they if it's something important, like my wife has been in a crash or something, they'll leave a message and I'll listen to it in you okay, know, thirty time, seconds. The end of the day. And I'll call you right back. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Actually I did it my home line. I I put, you know, there's an option for my home provider. Line? My yeah, oh my yeah, all What's right. That? So I got rid of my vinyl records, but I still have a home line. Um, it's because I have, you know, DSL. So if I told them to get rid of my home line, it would basically, I'd still have a phone number. I would just yeah. be, so anyway, so I get phone call on that and uh, it's, um, now I lost my tra- <laughs> train. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, but, oh, it's because they, they have an option to turn on like kind of a phone butler kind of thing. Whereas if you call my home line number and you're not, like one of 10 numbers that I've put in, um, it actually, without ringing my phone, it says this, you know, this number does not receive unwanted or unsolicited calls. If you are, per, if you are a real person that knows that, you know, please, please press one. So that actually eliminates a lot of calls. You'd think, well, these scammers wouldn't care. They would listen to that, press one. But of course, since there's auto dialing and all that going on, um, it doesn't. It, I rarely ever get a spam call to my home line anymore. The only problem is when I get pre-recorded messages from things, like you know your prescription is ready at the supermarket. Um, it doesn't account for that, so I I miss the first fifteen seconds of that message um, because it's you know going through that whole thing where it's saying you know stay on the line if you're a real person. Hmm. So anyway, hmm. it's interesting. A lot of cool options available through your whether it's mobile or landline provider, but you have to go to their website and look and see what they've got. Uh, they don't like tell you they have these things. They just kind right. of them. No, yeah. Well, I think the takeaway here is don't be a slave to your phone. You don't no. have to answer. And if it's a scammer or a salesman, you can just hang up. Yeah. Really okay. It's really okay. All right. I have a question for you guys. This is not in the, on our show notes. I'm, this is late breaking news. Late breaking. Can, can, can you guys tell me what these words have in common? Beat down, bestie, frowny, twerk, and zomboid. I can. High yes. school. As somebody who makes computer games, mm-hmm. a lot of word games for a living, I'm up to date on all the news, and they were just added to the Scrabble dictionary today. Yes. No kidding. <laughs> yes. Scrabble enthusiasts have 300 new words that were added to the Scrapple Dictionary. And, and the, and the two-letter two, two letter words that are going to change mm-hmm. things. One is OK. Mm-hmm. It's now an official Scrapple word. And the other is EW as in ew. Ew. 
Ew. Is yeah. Fish, their official Scarborough okay wasn't in there before. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to add those to any of my word games right away. <laughs> but uh i'm not gonna do a, I, i'm not gonna send like apple a you know uh special <laughs> you know i need a rapid update of my apps because they added this to the scrabble dictionary i think people are survived but it is interesting that was it 300 words did you say 300 that? words yeah. yeah now there was I, I i used to be for a minute i was sort of into into scrabble and and, and i was going to these weekly local meetings just to, you know, play Scrabble with strangers and stuff. And, and uh, it was just something I was into for, you know, a couple minutes, but um, there was a, there's a version of the Scrabble dictionary that the Scrabble people hate like uniformly. And and I'm don't quote me on this. I might have the, the, the numbers wrong, but it's like there was the fifth edition is, was like the dictionary everybody loved. And they came out with the sixth edition and, People just hated it. They like changed, they added too many words and took they took out other words and and so like all the like Scrabble people were just like f that we're sticking with the fifth edition. So I'm I'm wondering uh, how this these I mean these people have opinions you know <laughs> a lot of opinions about about words oh, yeah. and, and no I get um, I get emails from because people will play my word games. And I get, it's one yeah. of the main things I get emails about from strangers is people complaining either that a word is included in one of my word games, they don't feel it should be, or a word is not there and they think it should be. It's one of those two things. And I For 99 cents, you can switch the dictionary. That, uh... Well, yeah, that's what I should do. <laughs> the, I mean, it is amazing though. People get very passionate about it and they get very upset. And, and when I point out to them that, that is an official Scrabble word. So do you think this should be okay for Scrabble, but not okay for my game? Um, they get very upset and just say, well, I've never heard of that word before. I'm like, <laughs> that's a lot of you, words you haven't have heard you of. seen the Scrabble dictionary? 80% of those words you have not heard of before because that we just don't use them in regular everyday language. And people get upset. But then if there's one word, uh, particularly proper nouns are not official Scrabble words. Um, right. People get upset when they can't use them and some people play for a long time and play Scrabble and everything without realizing that that's a rule. Um, sometimes because they played Scrabble with people that don't also don't realize that's a rule. Right. And other times because there are proper nouns that are also regular words. Like, for instance, the word Joe is a really common Scrabble word, J-O-E. You got to get rid of that J somehow, right? And you think, well, Joe, that's a name. It's a proper noun. It's not. Yeah, but it's also coffee. a slang word for a cup of coffee. So yeah. it, there is an improper noun version yeah. of joe and there's right. a lot of words will and will you know and all that but in the, in, so you could easily go through for play for a while and think you're using names and not realize that every name you've ever used is actually a word in some other way <laughs> right and, and you try to use like you know gary or something and it's like why wouldn't it accept that one <laughs> it accepted bob and will and joe and you know but no, and Randy. <laughs> it's true. It is a word. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Is anyway. Gary a word? Gary's not. Gary's not a word. I'm. Okay. I'm, I'm not allowed in Scrabble. That's why. Well, I, yeah, I don't think Kevin is either. Another reason I get invited to parties. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, we now return you to your regularly scheduled uh, podcast. Um, you had something, uh, Gary? No, oh, I think we're good for this week. Okay. Oh. What uh, what do we got? You guys got anything interesting going on this week? Well, I'm going to be relaunching my own podcast. I decided to change its slant a little bit, and uh, I'm actually going to remove all the old episodes, take them offline, start over. Hmm. 
Reboot. Nice. Yeah. Total reboot. Cool. How about you guys? Now just be pushing my course a little bit. You know, I have newsletters and got to post to social media and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, just, um, I don't know, nothing, nothing particular. The same old, same old. Yeah. Yeah. I'm back working on a, a, a little book project I'm working on. Um, I, I think I've probably mentioned parts of this before, but I, ha- I have found all these theses and dissertations that have to do with uh, the Atari 8-bit computers. I've gathered up 20 of them, and uh, now I'm in the process of reading them all and writing about them. So I'm writing this uh, little book. It's probably going to be, I don't know, 15,000 words or something. Is that, I don't know if that's called, if that's a book or not, but um, just describing like what people were doing in you know, the, at the college level in their theses with, with their old uh, Atari computers. Cool. So, yeah, finishing, finishing up. I like it. Yeah. All right, All right. So are we done? Yeah. That's it. All right. Well, the show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh42. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at the teh podcast. Tweet to us. We'll see it. See you again next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.